Hey, Sean. Welcome hey, David. To, how's it going? Welcome to our brand new, brand new podcast we're starting. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, so we wanted to uh, record a new introduction to uh, season zero, episode zero. So I know this is where like a lot of people are going to start. For season zero, we're really just like brainstorming stuff. We started the podcast back in December, and now it's January 30th. So we're recording an update to re-release this uh, episode that was kind of kind of messy. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I've been telling myself I want to do a podcast for a couple of years now, either on Norse mythology or Dark Age history. Um, and it didn't happen until you said, hey, you know about Norse mythology. Let's connect over Zoom one time. And you kind of just put time on my calendar. And uh, it's been pretty cool. Um, it's only It's been less than two months, but I think it's pretty cool that we have a thousand downloads at this point. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why we wanted to re-release this now that we're at a thousand downloads. And it, I, I just listened back to this episode zero and it really was like just, we sat down and talked about, hey, Sean, what should our podcast be about? And then yeah. said it was an episode. We wanted to give people, a, you know, to be able to see our the insight into our brainstorming process. And so, yeah, I'm going to go back and edit some more of season zero. Um, so it's, you know, the well, we got three episodes there. Uh, yeah. There's two and there's two and a half, but yeah. <laughs> technically three and a half then but right right and that's the other main thing i wanted to say was uh you know thank you for being interested in the podcast uh, you know for your interest and hopefully uh, continuing to listen or maybe you've been listening for a while and now uh maybe never saw episodes or never listened to episode zero it's a very funny thing chuck pointed out i do he's like david you can't watch a podcast you listen to podcasts <laughs> <laughs> is that why we uh, just gave up on the whole youtube thing or well we, we yeah i think it's because i keep thinking about putting things on YouTube, but I still, some reason I call it watching the podcast, but, um, yeah, <laughs> but now this is really cool. Um, it's been very therapeutic for me too, just to kind of talk about things that I'm interested in. I like, I I've been looking at Norse mythology as a hobby for the, like the last four or five years now, but it's, uh, it's just really cool that I get to talk about it. And it's also really cool that some people actually find it fascinating enough to listen to what I have to say. So that's everyone. something, you know, I thought about writing a, a blog post and maybe I still will about like, why learn Norse mythology, right? It's, it's something, you know, and essentially not just why, like, you know, telling people you should learn Norse mythology and then you should uh, follow our podcast. Right. But instead <laughs> just, you know, why, why did I get into it and what do I actually get out of it? Right. That would actually be a good yeah. uh, blog post because yeah, it, it's very interesting stuff. And then when we you know, are kind of trying to be experts on it, like you go really deep into it and there's a lot to, uh, to think about, you know, it's when I listen to the, some other podcasts by different, you know, different people and I, I'm hearing something and I'm like, oh, I know about that. Or I know a lot more than they're saying on their episode. Right. Like that's always yeah. kind of a cool thing to have that experience now. Mostly I was just going <laughs> to tell people to, uh, if you want to see what we're up to, follow us on Twitter. Uh, we got our website where there's the blog. If you really like what we're doing, you want to support us. You know, there's just a little bit of cost for uh, for hosting a podcast, so you can always donate to us. Twitter and Instagram, and there's the blog. Yeah, if you want to see more of the ideas that I'm thinking about as we're that's what I've been doing lately. As I'm reading ahead so far, sometimes it might be good. Maybe I'll put stuff on the on the blog, even if we haven't talked about it yet. It might be an idea. I just think it's cool that we have we have a thousand downloads, man. Yeah. No, that's. I did not think it would be this soon. Like, of course I knew we'd, you know, once you put up five episodes, then you start seeing like, it really does build on itself quickly. But how many? what's really cool is that, well, we have like seven or so, but like, what's really yeah. cool is that when you look at like, like a week ago, we were averaging like 28. Now yeah. we're averaging like 50. No. But if you look at today where we had like 44, 
it, it has like a list of all seven episodes and it's not just like heavy on the episode that we just published. It's like, it's okay, like, that's, that's why I wanted to do this so bad. Cause I'm like, people are going to watch the beginning one and that's, yeah, I at least want them to know what that is and why. Hey, if I'm going to listen to it for the first time tomorrow. So that's a good, yeah. And that's where maybe yeah, if they want to skip ahead to season one, or if they like it, listen to season zero. Yeah. All right. Sure. You're listening to Between Two Ravens, a Norse mythology podcast with Sean and David. No, we should actually just catch up. How you doing, Sean? I'm good. Work's okay. Life is good. Bought a house. Got married. Yeah. So, this, so let's say this episode is just for uh, uh, Joey and Jeff. How about that? Episode 0.2. So probably the first thing for our, for our kind of planning episode, like what... What, what are we doing, Sean? What are we doing? <laughs> well, so I, I told you that my personal hobbies, because after I got my MBA three years ago, I <laughs> didn't do anything with it. I just continued working at the same company I work for. And I've worked at for seven years now. Right. Um, but I decided to spend my additional time, like 20 or so hours a week, to learn about history. So is that like all the, the time you were spending, you know, learning to research and educate yourself for an MBA? Now you've like had that skill and you're like, I got to put it onto something that you're interested in. Yeah. So I, I actually moved in with Beth a day after I, I, I finished my last class oh, yeah. in Denver. And so I finished my MBA on a Saturday, proceeded to go to a brunch in Denver with Beth and a bunch of friends and yeah. had mimosas for a solid six hours to celebrate. And then two days later, for the Monday for work, I had to take off because I moved in with Beth. But I had so much extra time, like even outside of that, even living with somebody new. I had so much extra time that I had nothing to do with it. And I was like, okay, well, I could continue playing video games mm-hmm. or I can learn about something. And I started researching dark age history in Western Europe. And a big part of that is the spread of Christianity. Right? Well, it's funny because that's exactly where I'm at kind of now and what you just described. Because like for the last year, or the first year of the pandemic, I was like, yeah, a bunch of video games, YouTube, just trying to like fill the time and not... Uh, notice the existential dread of COVID. And then after like a year of that, I'm like, I want to do something useful with this time. So I'm, yeah, just like reading books constantly, educating myself constantly. Like I was telling Jay, I think like finishing five or six books in a month. And I'm like, I'm a person who would never finish a book. I'd get two thirds through a book and it would sit on my nightstand forever. <laughs> what you, you said this like three years ago that where you kind of started doing this? Yeah. So it was before COVID, but two and a half years ago, I moved to Alexandria back to these coasts. And then COVID started like six months later. And so I had even more time because there was like no commute to work. And so I started buying more and more books that a lot of them that were like made thousands of years, like a thousand years ago, just to learn about the source material of dark age history. And with the spread of Christianity, there was one, like one of the one of the other religions that was left was Norse, like the Norse religion. And so now, like I also started studying Norse mythology. And so the books that I read were either actual history books, primary sources, or historical fiction books. The main historical fiction book that I read was the last, the, the books from the last kingdom series. So last kingdom is a show on Netflix, but there was a 12 series there was 12 books in that series. And so what year were those written? Yeah. So they're, those are old. They they actually started, I think, in like 2000. They ended this year. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, I so thought the, you were saying they're historical books. That's what I was trying to... Oh, sorry. Historical fiction. They try to be pretty accurate to the history. Yeah. It, the last... The, the author, Bernard Cromwell, he's, yeah. he's very good at telling stories. He does a great job of providing actual history, but then he like has these Vikings who are, he makes them more visual appearing, appealing in like a book or a show where they're like these big hairy, like muscular Viking dudes. Yeah. 
And so he does a good job of providing actual history, but also like getting an audience from yeah. like the other, from the other stuff. Now, now, at some point, we're going to have to probably do an episode on the series Vikings, because I watched, I think, like three seasons of that. I, I liked it, but I never finished it. But I'm sure people like who anybody who actually ended up watching our podcast would be like, hey, I like the show Vikings. And they kind of talk about the gods and uh, heroes. Right. So because Ragnar Lothbrick is a real kind of traditional story out of. Yes. And I'm a nerd. So I brought all the books yeah. that I, I've been reading. So this one, it's translated by a professor who used to teach at Boulder in, yeah. in Colorado. His name is Jackson Crawford. He has a YouTube channel, which it's got great material. Excuse me. He does that. Um, the the Norse mythology for smart people. Is, is that him? No, that's that's somebody else. Actually, I have that book too. It's it's not yeah. with me, but I forgot that guy's name. But Jackson Crawford, yeah. he left CU Boulder and now he's in charge of did the class on Norse mythology for the great courses, which yeah. I also just bought literally two days ago. I haven't watched it yet. He has this translation, something I was reading yeah. a thousand years ago, the saga of the Bull Songs, and then the saga Ragnar Lothbrok, who yeah. the main character of Vikings is based on. And there's it's that's, funny to see like that's what I have on my reading list. And I think like when I probably once I get to read that, then we'll like say let's do an episode on it or maybe but so one of the things I was this is why um Jeff told me he's like, you guys have to actually do this. It's a legitimately great idea. I'm like, so basically the show's gonna be it's like drunk history, except Sean's gonna get drunk and I'm gonna have him teach me things about Norse mythology. <laughs> that sounds great to me. And eventually yeah, that's, that's entertaining. Yeah. Crawford speak to us. He's going to be like, what the hell are you doing? You guys suck. But he'll like, <laughs> if he's already, if we like get him to commit to it, he has to do it. And so the, the other thing, just as you're talking about all the translations. So like another thing, I don't think I've fully told you because when you, you started talking about all this stuff, that's where I started geeking out being like, we need to talk about this more. So for my stuff with mythology and definitely like our show needs to be about Norse mythology. Cause I know just a little bit about that. And it's the thing I really want to dive into more. But so growing up, my dad read me Greek myths as like bedtime stories. And it's kind of like horrifying now when I go back and it's like Zeus turning into a cow and getting women pregnant and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that was my bedtime stories. That's weird. That's a weird thing. <laughs> that, that's it. Like, I don't know too much about Greek mythology, but I do know like somewhat about the origin story with like the Titans and how it's, they it's were. Similar. Uh, so very similar to the Yodnar with the, the gods in. Yeah mythology and it's also funny because there's two stories that i'm thinking of related to norse mythology that also involve a cow which i know a cow is like a big symbol in some other religions that are like more widely known so it's, it's like it's an early maternal and, and so then the, the reason i'm getting back into all this mythology is reading stuff by carl Jung, who's a psychologist that i'm sure i'll ramble about at different points but he talks about a similar idea which is the idea of the great myth what are all these myths that underlie all of human history and is it just like, did it just happen that way, right? Did, was there just a story and people spread the story and they spread the story so everybody learned it? Or is it that the way the human brain works, they make these stories that look kind of similar. And then there's like, because they like that number 12, like 12 gods, it's kind of like a common thing, like 12, why, why does that show up? And like you're saying, like the, the snake is a powerful image, the, the cow is a powerful image, all these things, right, keep showing up. So that gets to like a weird things I like to talk about. But uh, <laughs> well, it's funny because like, if you think about thousands of years ago, even like beyond that, yeah. if like, there's a, tr like, if there's like a group of people that believe in one thing over right. time, those group of people like spread out and over time, those religions evolve. Like that happens even within Norse mythology itself. If you look at like Scandinavia, you can look at place names and how some names are related to the God Thor. Right. Some of them are like related to other gods, but yeah. play a game of telephone like yep. if you have this one religion over a thousand years with people 
a thousand years away, then the stories are going to be different. And a lot of Norse mythology, as we mentioned previously, contradicts itself. It'll be, like, like I think it'll be a great thing. Greek. It'll probably be completely unstructured and, and rambling. But like we talked about that idea of episode three being, are these ideas that showed up in the original stuff? Or is it just as like Christians showed up, they changed it? Or did these things maybe like, you know, and I'm thinking about that with the Greeks too, right? Did like the Greeks independently write these stories? Well, the Greeks were inspired by all kinds of things from like Mesopotamia and stuff like that. So it's, yeah. Was it carried on by oral traditions or did people just come up with the same idea coincidentally? It's probably a mix of both. And like, even with, you made, you made like a one point on Christianity. And I told you this also previously that everything we know about Norse mythology was written down by Christians because right. Scandinavians did not write things down. In fact, like at that time, only Christians really wrote things down. And then, and that's the thing that's neat with, you know, probably, you know, stealing material out of episode three, but like, I'm always interested in Scotland because some of my family, you know, the ancestry comes from Scotland, but that had contact with written language so late, those things got written down, but it was like, people were still believing in these things and doing these oral traditions so late. Or then like with the Greeks, they were writing those things, you know, they were writing so early, you know, like 500 BC and those things were written at the same time prior to Christianity. Yeah, yeah, like I guess like the Greeks and the Romans, they they like those are the those are the like people that like did write stuff down. Yeah, and like at the time, and then afterwards, after after Western Rome fell, and like Greek, like ancient Greece wasn't a thing. You get these like long periods of time where like the only people that wrote things down were Christians, yeah. and because of the spread of Christianity, Christianity won, and so everything that we know has like this Christian twist. Yeah. And there's no, and some of the books I'm reading now have some interesting interpretations on that. And, and one of the aspects is keeping just the masculine God, right? one God, and it's like the father, right? Versus religions who keep a pantheon and they have maternal gods. And what difference does that have when people, and then the question of were these religions, everybody believed like the way we believe religion, some Christians believe religion now, or is it, it was stories that, you know, just people, they like telling the stories. And I'm trying to think there's something, something I had read that felt kind of authoritative talking about with the, the Greeks, They're like reading a lot about the Stoic philosophy. And they talk about this transition from, you know, where they really had multiple gods to where they were really kind of just talking about Zeus was really like the big God. Was it that that just transferred over to Christian God? I mean, it's, it's probably, that probably is accurate because I, I do know a lot of people like people like the reason why Christianity won is because they Christi Christians found a reason to get other people to convert to Christianity. So what they did, they found ways to say, like, if you were somebody like that was sent somewhere to try to convert people into Christianity, they would say, well, yeah, your gods are pretty cool. Um, they're great, but they're actually not like the one true God. They're not, they're not great. They're actually just great people. Um, but like, I think that they are actually a saint or something like that. And yeah, you actually see this. In one of the books that I've read in my, this isn't necessarily specific to Norse mythology, but like in Western Europe after the fall of the Roman Empire, one of the primary sources that we have for post-Roman Britain is called the, it's, it's the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, where it was, it started, it, this started to be written down in late 800s after there's, there's like a series of sub kingdoms in England. One of them is the kingdom of Wessex and Wessex yeah. 50 years later ended up being the kings of the entire region of Eng the entire country of England. But the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle talks about the origins of all of the kingdoms, especially Wessex. And it actually traces all of the kingdom's origins to Woden, who yeah. is Odin, the, the Norse right. chief like deity. Yeah. And so I'm wondering like why Christians in the late 800s, probably after the Norse religion was practiced anywhere. Wanted to say, oh yeah, our like first king, the king of what the first king of Wessex, Cherdic, 
who was king supposedly in the late 400s, he was actually a descendant of Odin. That's, and that's what lets then the Christian faith have a say saying like, oh, the reason your kings are official, well, that's actually our God that made them official. And they're like, well, we have always known that like Odin's the best, like the the, the leader of all the gods. So it kind of just fits, right? And yeah. it's like it's like a filter to put on everything that says, well, no, all your gods are still there, but they're saints or this or that. Exactly. And with the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, it's it's like the way it's structured is, oh, 10 AD, this Roman person died. Then it goes like 50 years later. Then it starts getting, it, it like just lists like years and things that happened that year, like related to the, the the British Isles, primarily England. At the late 400s, that's when they start talking about the first kings of the different petty kingdoms of England, all of whom were apparently descended from Woden. But then when they go through the kings of Wessex up until like the mid 800s, they get to this guy named Athelwolf, who was the king of Wessex. And then for some reason, they decide they decide to like say, this was Athelwolf, son of blank, son of blank, son of blank, son of blank. And they go all the way, not to Cherdic, not to Woden, but they go all the way to Adam. Uh, so then they tie him how, right. So that, that maybe that'll be interesting to, to tie that when we get to that, those origin stories and those where the gods came from originally. Yeah, yeah but it's funny because like I've been building these um I've been building these family trees. I think I showed you. Give me a couple, yeah. Where like you just on like your knowledge that you have about the Anglo-Saxon chronicles because that's something I know nothing about. Right? Like I know I don't have much historic knowledge, but it's around the Mediterranean. Yeah. So this we wanted to like scan things. If we're going to do YouTube for real, like scan things in. And yeah. No, I might. This is like this is my self after like researching. The Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. And it's funny because it's written by saying like, oh, Cherdic, like in 495, Cherdic became the first king of Wessex. It's Cherdic, son of blank, son of blank, son of blank. Excuse me. They get up to Woden. And then sometimes, like sometimes they stop at Woden when they talk about the different kings. But then sometimes they go beyond Woden to a character named Geet, who apparently is tied into the story of Beowulf. Apparently the people were like the Geets or something like that. And I, I just think it's funny because they go then for some reason they only go like two lines above Woden. In some cases, sometimes they stop at Woden, but then when they get to this King Athelwolf, who is the father of Alfred the Great, who's one of my favorite historical figures, they all of a sudden spend a page going from Athelwolf all the way up to Adam. Yeah. And how they made this work was they invented a new son of Noah. Oh, yeah. So they they use the Bible from Adam to Noah in what's actually written in the Bible, but they made a new son of Noah. And then they had a line that goes all the way to Woden and then all yeah. the way to Athelwolf. So it's, why would they yeah. say, that, you know, like, why would they say it's Woden? And then like, well, of course, if they said Woden, it's because like, oh yeah, but it's all because Adam started it all, you know, it's it gets the buy-in of the, so the, of the, uh, of the Norse people. Right. And that's, it makes me think all different kinds of ways. Right. One is sort of the political angle, as you were saying earlier about like, Christianity, one of the ideas, like I can't remember where I read it, but it interests me is that it's a useful religion for getting people to submit to a king because you get used to submitting yourself under a, a God. And then it's like, well, the, the church is the intermediary before God. And then the, the church gets to say that your king is the next intermediary and you follow them. Right. So it's like that sheep following the shepherd idea. Right. And that's like useful for building towns and build, building cities. Right. But then the I like that the Norse have this completely different idea that's that's not coming out of the, the Christian ideas, which are about we're a band of people and we have to like protect ourselves, look out for ourselves, and 
take what we can get. So it's completely different, like value system. Yeah, well, it's it's funny because like in Scandinavia, it was very it was very much like a tribal mentality like that, where it's like, well, we're we're in it for ourselves. Whereas in the main parts of Europe, and this is probably because like the main parts of Europe that actually had influence from the Roman Empire. In the Roman Empire, like they were they were very expansionist. They would say, We we are your overlords now, you have to do things our way. So they were assholes in that sense, but they knew how to do shit. And so Right. They bring in this new technology, bring in all these things that in some ways improve everyone's lives, but you have to submit under the authority. Yeah. And, and towards the end of the Roman Empire, like Christianity became the predominant religion. And so when Western Rome fell, you saw these barbarians take over like different areas, like in like seven or eight kingdoms in, in England that were all apparently descended from Wode. And in France, you had this dude named Clovis, who eventually Clovis was pretty interesting because he ended up converting to Christianity right away. Just to get, he got sanctioned by the Pope pretty much and said, yeah, like, oh, well, yeah, I took political over alliance. Life. He's then, he's safe. He's uh, accepted. Yeah. And then the Pope's like, all right, fine, whatever. Just we'll make you Christian. This is your area. He was able to kind of like run things in that way. But like in Scandinavia, I don't think like the Roman Empire had that much influence. That's kind of like the, the far ends of Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. Like in like the Celtic tribe, like the Celtic tribes in Scotland or Ireland or even Wales, like they, they, they had their own different ways of doing things that weren't like necessarily. Like some of them were Christian, like Ireland was Christian, but like they weren't necessarily like who was going to enforce it, who's going to check up on them that far away. Yeah. So it's it, it's kind of it's just very interesting how like that all played out at the end of it. Now the other things that kind of that interest me is sort of like the, the psychology and the philosophy side, as you were describing that the family trees that you put together, right? And they and the way they fascinate you, right? Is very is like very interesting to me, right? That and, and then the other thing that makes me think about that is this question of what is true. Because as you're looking at those, right, you're kind of identifying like somebody wrote this. Someone put a lot of time right into connecting all these family trees and all the way back to Odin and maybe even um, Adam and Eve are connected to Noah. And and at the time, they they said that was very true. What do you what do you even think about all of it when you? So there's, I guess I'll start by saying in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle is like one source that was written by people in the court of. King Alfred the Great, who was the King of Wessex. And the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle mentions all of the petty kingdoms of England, but they are primarily talking about Wessex. And they're primarily glorifying Wessex because in 936, the House of Wessex became the kings of England. And that can be traced to Queen Elizabeth II today, this family tree. So almost like these people that had the ability to influence people by writing things down were trying to give themselves validity. It's kind of that we still believe it to be true, right? Why does the Queen of England get to be the Queen of England? Because of this story. Now, let's say, now I think this is like sort of answering your question as well. Let's say you, David, said, well, fuck you, Sean. I, <laughs> yes, I, I, I say, fuck the Queen. Actually, the first king of England was named David. And that happened in the year 300. And Queen Elizabeth II is a pretender. And I wrote a, I wrote a book about it. Yeah. yeah. Like, what am I, like, how would I like respond to that? Like, what would I say? Like, oh, well maybe he's right. Um, Check my like, sources maybe see, see if my book looks like a forgery. Yeah. So there's this thing called the historical method where if you said in the year 300, I arrived in, in the Isles of Britain with an army of 8 billion people and we took over the islands from my ancestors, the first King David of England. Okay, well, let's see. Do we have any evidence that says there was 8 billion people on earth or specifically an army of 8 billion people in England? We have no evidence. We don't have any coins of with, your, with King David's face on it. We don't have any other materials written that actually says there was a King David with 8 billion people in England. And so it's, it's, it's interesting because like, 
the historical method is what we use to assess the potential truthness of any the claim. claim. The, the claim, because it's almost like, like looking at the old title deeds, right? And you get like, so this is the thing out here in New Mexico, they had these uh, land grants that the King of Spain said, your family gets this, right? And then New Mexico was no longer Spain, it was United States. And then there's like this treaty where somebody says, oh, you know, I'm the United States and I say I own this land. And they're like, well, but the old Spanish land grants, I, I own this land, right? And yeah, if you care about this paper that the King of Spain wrote or something, right? Then you, you own all the land. And then yeah. family lineage that you're related to that person who got it from the King of Spain or something. Is, it, is that yeah. so, how it goes? Yeah. Like you, you, like what evidence do you have that anything exists? Like if you look at something like the Bible, there's, there's actual, like the first character in the Bible, like chronologically that we are pretty sure actually existed was David. Um, yeah. King David, like I forgot what year it was. He was probably a king at so-and-so. Now, did he use a sling to slay this dude named Goliath? I'm sure. And did. it's funny because I mentioned just, I mentioned the hypothetically King David, you from England, but like in the Bible, King David may have like the person in the Bible may have existed, but he does he didn't like have this huge kingdom because we would have evidence of that in like the archaeology. And he did he like just kill a giant? Like how big was the giant? Was it 16 feet? Then no, because that's scientifically impossible. So but he was, but that he was like a guy who was like seven and a half feet tall. And they were like, whoa, he must have been like 16 feet tall. Yeah. Or did like David just like beat him in a, I don't know, like an insult contest. And then he well, just like went home. Between even just, that's the story, right? So the bards or something of the time, right? Started telling the story of he killed a giant and he got taller every time they told the story, right? So the, the other question is like, what, what year was King David? You know, I have to look into it. I haven't actually read the Bible, well, but I, I, don't I don't know that. The year 600 BC or something, right? Let's say something like at that. that. At that time, right? What was their understanding of King David? Right. Because that's an interesting question. You could find like some records, maybe they're carved in stone or whatever, right? Or maybe they're written. Yeah. And so this is this kind of goes into the next thing that I find absolutely fascinating. And this is something, and a lot of one of my favorite YouTubers is called Useful Charts. And he talks about the historical method. He also talks about this um question of when does myth, as in like when does the idea of like a certain god become legend, and when does legend become reality? So if you look at the Christian God, we don't have any proof of his existence, but if you like actually take the story of the Bible and then you go down to David, David probably existed. Jesus, like Jesus actually existed as a historical figure, but did Jesus walk on water? Did he change water to wine? Like that's where you go from myth completely made up kind of to legend where this person may have like existed, but did they do this? Probably not. And then reality where we actually can verify that somebody existed and did this. Well, and then that, that word so, myth and then connected to religion, right? Like something I read recently, that myth, myth, we t- take it as being like a derogatory thing, like, right? Like this is American, American Christian kind of culture, right? That Bible is true story and everything else is myth. But the idea is that the Bible myths are the stories, but to say they're a myth doesn't mean they're not true. They are just the stories. And we know they're written down and we know people like them and they get a lot of meaning from it, right? So that's, but then it's, if you put it on that equal level, then it's like, well, why not the Norse myths, right? Why aren't they a good source of meaning and knowledge and us understanding ourselves better? No, no, that, that's that's very true. With the Norse myth, what's, what's so funny about all this is that Christians were clearly trying to take this character of Odin and humanizing him. And this is something where, in one of our main sources for Norse mythology, which is called the Prosetta, who was written by this, he was actually a politician in Iceland. And uh, he wrote this book called the Prosetta, where he 
it was mainly used to like teach people the ways that I think poetry used to exist with his people hundreds of years earlier when they actually practiced the Norse religion. And the only way for him to do that was to actually write out the what the Norse religion was. And he creates this prologue in the book that says, by the way, I don't actually believe this guys. I'm Christian. I promise. And he like starts, he starts like writing out like, Oh, Odin, he was just a guy who was from Turkey. He was actually a descendant of the Trojans. He migrated to Scandinavia and, but he was a great guy. So people followed him, but then they started worship, worshiping him incorrectly as a deity. And it's, it's interesting and, and, that he was a politician, right? Now all this stuff is like political. And, but then maybe he gets to be somewhat truthful because he prefaces it with, I don't really believe this. Therefore I can be, I can speak freely versus the ones that are blending Christian and Norse. Yeah. So it's very interesting because he, he also kind of makes his own family tree <laughs> that starts with, that starts with Odin, yeah. but he start he goes up from Odin and it's it's funny because the line that he goes up from Odin is very similar to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, and he but he, then he gets to a point where he diverges and he's like, oh, but then the, his his dad was Thor, yeah. and so it's funny because he says that Thor is like the like way above Odin, who when Thor's supposed to be Odin's son, but like yeah. it's it's kind of funny because when you take a look at all these sources, first of all, like most of them don't pass the historical method, but no. at what point do we come up with a person like Cherdic, who is who may have been the first king of Wessex? And say, oh well, did he did he kill King Arthur, or, or like did he fight King Arthur, who didn't exist? Probably not. But then if we go above him, there's a character named Woden who we don't probably didn't exist. But was there some was there like some influence? Like was there some character like in 300 or something that like was Woden or Odin? Oh, yeah. Woden is Anglo-Saxon for yeah. Odin, but right. No, and that's and that's one of the other like confusing things. But I, I'm I'm learning enough that I can connect them all. Yeah. One of the ideas I really liked that I was like sharing with you on text was that idea that maybe like, yeah, like everyone was, you know, people were worshiping, people were talking about, they liked Thor time, but Odin came later. And maybe it was like with the Iron Age when people started organizing a little more structure, there was really a king bringing resources together. People had to work together. Then this guy who's the, the God of everybody do what I say, and I'm your leader was a relevant God. He was a God they needed then. And so then he came into their awareness, right? It, it, it that could very well be the case. I there, I got a book last year that I have not read yet. It's called The Children of Ash and Elm, yeah. and it's written by this dude who who sort of like talks about pre-Christian Scandinavia, but he he also talks about like this eruption that happened in, in Europe that thinks that he he says I think like five thirty or something, where he says like this eruption like influenced people's beliefs because yeah. like if you're a person in the five hundred you see this like eruption. This volcanic yeah, sense of it, right? How do I make sense of this? Yeah. Like, I need to pray to the, the fire god, or I need to pray to this god, or something like that. And it's very interesting because, like we mentioned earlier, the game of telephone when it yeah. comes to a religion over time just evolving into something else. But like, also, if shit happens, like, do you either do what people did when converting to Christianity and just convert because you're afraid, or do you like start praying to a different god? It's also funny because, like, if you look at Iceland. I mentioned Snorri Sturluson in like 13th century Iceland. Iceland converted to Christianity around the year 1000. And apparently there may have been a volcanic eruption in Iceland, as there are a lot of them, right before that. And so then they were like, oh, that's a sign that we need to convert. Is that an idea? It could be. In in Norse mythology, there's... um, it's it's i think the fire realm is called muspelheim which is one of the yeah. nine worlds you mentioned one of the, one of the there's this ones. like fire yeah yeah 
there's this fire giant named Surtur there that's going to actually kill all of them, kill all the Vikings at Ragnarok. And so if they see a, if they see this huge like volcano and they're like, oh shit, it's Ragnarok. Well, wait, there's another religion. Let's just go ahead and be Christian. You know, like well, I'm not and maybe it's happens, like, like yeah, this uh, it's sort of like what happens with the Central American and the uh, conquistadors showing up, right? That like their their religion predicted this guy in shining armor would show up. So it's like, well, that must be him, right? That you know, that some guys showed up talking about how we got to follow the one true God who's and he's a lot like Odin. Maybe he is Odin, right? And they're like, we better listen to these guys and focus on Odin so much because he'll save us from the volcano. Yeah. That's to me. Who knows if it's true, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and one thing I know I mentioned this earlier, when it comes to like when does myth become legend and legend become reality. Yeah. I mentioned the family trees that I wrote, like with the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, that was very, very, very Christian influenced. Yeah. But some of the sources that we have that are talking about like the Norse gods, and we mentioned the saga of the Volsungs and the saga of Ragnar Lodbrok. Yeah. In the saga of the Volsungs, the family, the Volsungs, they, it clearly says, oh, they were descended from Odin. Um, it goes like Odin, Sigi, Rerir, Volsung, like Sigmund. And then it goes that like, the, you can build this family tree out with what they say in the story. And then when you get to the saga of Ragnar Lothbrok, so I guess in, in the saga of the Volsungs, there's a daughter of the family named Aslog, who kind of just, they kind of just like say, oh yeah, then she went away. And, uh, then this is what happened with the Volsungs. Jackson Crawford, who I mentioned earlier, says in the saga of, the Rag- saga of Ragnar Lothbrok, he kind of wrote this, they, whoever wrote it, wrote this fan fiction based on the saga of the Volsungs, where they're like, oh, this is what happened to Oslog. And they had her marry Ragnar Lothbrok. And it's funny because then you can build a family tree out, the sons of Ragnar, like one of their, one of his sons was actually the ancestors of Harold Fairhair, who's the first king of Norway who probably did exist. He probably didn't take over most of Norway, but he probably actually existed. In fact, he probably, yeah, he, he was a real person. It doesn't, like, they're trying to figure out, like, what parts of Norway he took over. But, like, even, like, in Norway, away from England, people are trying to clearly say, oh, well, I'm a descendant of yeah. this person. And then especially if you use, right, people's favorite story that everybody's telling or people are actually starting to write down, right, then you get everyone's buy-in being like, well, I love that story. And you're explaining to me how you're connected to it. And so you got, you're, you know, you're selling me on it. And the current king of Norway, Harold's, they have family trees that link him to Harold Fairhair, who was the first king of Norway, who it's funny because like, if you look at Harold Fairhair, different sources have him descended of different people, but like the saga of Ragnar Lothbrok and the saga of the Volsungs has him a direct descendant of Odin. And then I think Snorri Sturluson, the Icelandic author wrote this other book, like the history of the Norse Kings, where he kind of contradicts himself in the Prosetta, but he also like has another link up between Harold Fairhair and Odin. So it's it's like, well, we know we know the current king of Norway exists. We know what he did because we can track him. We we know what he's he's done. Harold Fairhair, we have some evidence that he existed, but is Harold Fairhair a descendant of Odin? Uh, a god, probably not. Like well, so I that's like one thing I find fascinating. And then and then this is the thing that, that I never get a chance to talk about, but it's also my it, it goes back to that question of is this true? Right. What do, what do you mean when you say thing is true? Right. It's sort of like one way to get very like academic and philosophical is the idea of a of like phenomenological approach. You're talking about the historical approach. Are you familiar with that idea at all? Like phenomenology? I'm not. It basically just is a well, thing saying. Yeah. It's a way to study things about how people um, experience the world. It doesn't actually matter what, it's sort of like that idea, how do we know that anything exists other than 
that we see it all, but I don't know that you're here. You could be a trick that my mind plays on me. I just know that I see things with my senses. So, so this this goes into the book that you're reading with um, Norse mythology and consciousness. This, this is even even further me going very abstract. <laughs> what is the it's stuff I, in my from my when I attempted a PhD program and it's it's not very structured. It's probably why I didn't finish it. Right, the, the, just the ideas about the nature of reality or the paradigms with which you can look at reality. So paradigm like one paradigm is uh, Newtonian physics, right, which is things have mass, velocity gravity, right? There's all these things, but then you go to quantum physics and actually those things from Newton physics, like you, you can adapt them to it, but Newtonian physics was missing all these things that are quantum. And then the thing is, well, which one is true, right? We teach Newtonian physics in high school and tell everybody it's true, but it's like, well, it's because the quantum stuff's too messy. So we don't want to try to teach that to 11th graders, right? but it all goes to what, what is actually true, right? So the phenomenological approach is really just that the truth is, or it's, we're interested in the truth, the type of truth we're interested in is how people perceive the world. Your experience is what's been true for you, right? It's like you feel the desk and you feel like it's there, right? But like, but do you know it's true? A sense like you know that God exists. Like mm-hmm. your senses are telling you that it's there when you push your fingers against it, but that can be your nerves just playing tricks on your brain. Do you even know that your consciousness is a brain, right? That's all these ideas, right? Dude, like, do we exist or are we, you know, how can we know? Why do I, I think why this do I goes into like, wait, what's that? No, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? I mean, I think this goes into like the human ego. Like yeah. if you are, if you're aware that you're alive, like what's the value of my existence? Yeah. Right. And so like you, like we as humans, like naturally just want to be like, oh, well I matter. I I am important because of this reason, because yeah. my life has meaning. And it's like the ego putting the, if that's not true, like who knows if that's not true, then that me saying that would be like the ego putting up defenses that helping live my life. Like at the same time, the, at, those defenses are helping me, helping me frame things yeah. that come into my life down the road. It's exactly like those same paradigms, and, those, those frameworks. Yeah. Yeah. So it may like, just be like, Oh, well I have a desk I'm working, I'm doing it. And then like, I could be in a forest somewhere by myself, like with no desk, it could just be me by a stream right. or something. You're, yeah, you're, you're sitting in a forest and you ate some mushrooms and now you're appearing to be in this desk talking to me and it's all just a dream, right? That's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, but I mean, like if, if and I'm, I'm, sure, I'm not sure if this is where you're getting at, but like if you're somebody or people like thousands of years ago that are asking themselves the same thing, like you and I have a structure, like we're like, okay, well, there could be religion, there could not be, like, it doesn't matter. We know that we know like the United States government, we know like what our potential role is. We know how we can enjoy life. Whereas like, you know, thousands of years ago, that probably wasn't the case. Right. We, and we, it's we like, know oh, the world well, is not flat because we trust all of the media that has taught us because none of us actually went out into space to double check it, but we believe the theories and we believe everything we've seen. So let's say the world's not flat and it's actually round. William Shatner just went to space, bro. So <laughs> and we trust William Shatner. So that's why we, right? so it's all faith, right? Even though like, we're like, no, but reality exists. It's like, well, we, we have a lot of faith in that model. But- when I don't know if something exists, I'm just like, well, William Shatner says it does. So yeah. it's it's true. And, and these ancient people, right? The, the spiritual things were just as real and believable as these other things because they didn't have a science framework to think about all these things and spend time thinking on it. But like you brought up the, the ego, right? Because that's really the, the conscious mind, right? Is what our ego, what our self is this idea that there's two forms of yourself. There's the self that is me and you talking, or our egos are talking. And there's something about you that's like, is you, but you're not always aware of all of it, right? It's like the you that you will be in the future and the you that 
knows things that you are not, you're not conscious of. I haven't even really dived into that argument of how do we argue, say there's an unconscious mind, but I have to bring it up just because it's the idea that your dreams are you're accessing your unconscious mind and this idea that myths are like a dream. They're a dream that we all agree on if we're like in that mythological context, right? So we're, we're having this dream together and it tells us something about. So it, it, there's, there's, there's one thing I want to say here, because I listened to this podcast that's called the Nordic Mythology Podcast. And it's by this dude who also was a professor at CU Boulder and he actually still is named Matthias Nord, Dr. Matthias Nordvig. And he does it with this dude that owns this business in uh, England. But um, he, he was, they, they pretty much just talk about Nord, like mythology or they talk about like, there's like an artist that sings about Norse mythology. They have like guest speakers on, but one of the recent speakers told, told them to like invite this mushroom dude whose name is Paul Stamets to speak like at the next podcast, he was like, yeah, you should actually have him on this podcast. I'm Paul Stamets was mentioned in this book that I'm finishing up right now. That's on pretty much the future of psychedelic mushrooms called how to change your mind. And it's, it's talking about how, when you take shrooms, this ego is destroyed and you can actually like see all of your consciousness and potentially beyond and like what your consciousness is. But I just thought it was interesting. You mentioned that because like I'm reading this book and then there's this Norse mythology podcast where they say, this guy says, well, you should actually have Paul Stamets on this guy's insane, but he's actually kind of like a genius. And then I know you're reading this book about like, that's my, that's my insane genius Carl Jung stuff that I'm thinking about, right? Is because it's just like you're saying with the mushrooms, you, it, it lets you immediately kind of get there and see the whole true self, the whole unconscious. But Carl Jung was very interested in how your dreams could help you get there. And he was very interested in how dreams end up showing things from mythology that you don't, maybe you never read that myth, but your dream shows a thing. And then you talk to Carl Jung and then he tells you, well, yeah, that thing happened in your dream. That's this Norse myth happening. And you're like, why? I never read Norse myths before. It's like, well, it's happening. So what are you going to do with that? Right. It's weird. Right. And that that's, that's interesting because like people, like, let's say hypothetically the Norse religion exi- like was actually true. And then yeah. you would expect people to like have these images. But then if you like put yourself in the mindset of somebody a couple thousand years ago, that's like, Oh, well, I'm, I'm in my like TV. I need to like, I, I don't know what's going on. I feel like the subconscious mind is actually looking for meaning. And yeah. they may just like, say, oh, well, this guy like Jack down the street said, there's this all father named Odin, who is going to recruit us to fight at Ragnarok one day. And that means we have to be warriors because we need to prove ourselves worthy of him. Well, and then that's and so tying I, it all into like yeah. psychology and, and what's any of this all good for? If, you know, if you're having this like this conflict with your boss and you have to confront them and you have to defeat these different, you know, both your uncertainties and this thing that's scary that you have to confront. And then you're able to say, well, you know, that's kind of like when, when this guy slayed a dragon, or it's kind of like when this guy, you know, bought, uh, went into the fire realm or something underworld, right? I'm a hero like that, right? And then it gives you confidence and you do it. And so it's like, I'm just starting to learn about the idea of American pragmatism as an actual philosophy. But I think I come to everything philosophy. I come with that, which is, is it useful? So is it true? You know, who knows? But is it useful? Well, you can, you figure that out. It's, uh, it's like phenomenological. When you experience because you're an American, so you're better than everyone. <laughs> is it? I, I grew up in America, so therefore that's the lens I come with. Right? American pragmatism. I can't walk away from that, right? I can walk away from maybe some of the Christian stuff, even the stuff that says like science is the world exists. I, I can step away from those and think about things differently, but I probably don't step away from my pragmatism. So that's where that's why I say that's true. Probably what I believe. That's, I'm figuring out if that's what I believe. Yeah, nice. <laughs> but um, and so then that's 
kind of the neat thing about this. One of the things I really love about the podcast idea is that we can't analyze, or I mean, I could try to analyze your dreams or I could try to analyze my dreams, right? But if we look at mythology together, it's a dream we're like analyzing together, if that makes any sense, right? And that question of like, is it true or is it useful or does it apply in our life, life right? Yeah, and so there's there's one thing that's going to sound very weird. So like I I I know Norse mythology right now. Yeah. One of the like not, it's not even a story. It's like part of a story that has always resonated with me is that Odin the, the All Father has two ravens named Hugin and Munin, which translates to thought and memory. And even like three years ago, before my grandfather passed away, I was like I was telling myself, oh. My grandfather, when I speak to him now, like he sometimes doesn't remember who I am. That's that has a lot of meaning to me. And then like I, I was reading about these like these stories, and I'm like, oh well, thought and memory. And then there's this like this like excerpt where Odin says, I am very worried about Hugin thought like not coming back to me one day. Yeah. But I'm more so worried about Munin not coming back to me one day. Yeah. And this, the actual story is like he sends his ravens out. They get stories because he is like he like aims to be the god of knowledge, and that he wants all the knowledge. So they're supposed to bring the knowledge back to him. And he has but to he like says safety. he's worried yeah. that the yeah, but he's also just like it's it's like it's yeah exactly. But it's like a it's like somebody like doesn't want to lose the ability to think or like their memory. And so like I had a dream like two weeks ago where Hugin and Moonen were there. Yeah. I don't believe in the Norse gods, right. but like they, they resonate with me. Like the stories actually resonate well, with me. And then me that goes to the question of, help, you know, as you said, do you believe in them? Right. And, but then they, they resonate with you. Right. So it's like, do you believe that they uh, exist and they could walk into the room right now? Right. Versus do you believe that they are important ideas that somehow are out there? Well, exactly. And if you like look at Norse mythology, there's a couple of themes, especially with the god Odin and like Odin's teachings, like where people today and like I don't want to celebrate them because a lot of them are like white supremacists, but a lot of them like will look to the teachings of Norse mythology and say like that's my way of life. Yeah. And the main teachings are like individualism, which can be good but mostly bad because people only think about themselves. Moderation, probably good, but it also like involves a consistent like skepticism of other human beings yeah. which is probably more so bad for like a healthy like culture but if so you look back right, like maybe it's a good balance right maybe you want to balance always believing in people with some with always having this at least some degree of skepticism yeah and it's Skeptical probably good especially in. but like 15 years 100 years ago that was probably like what you needed to think and to do. there's a poem called Havamal where it's apparently Odin speaking to somebody and like giving him some wisdom and saying, oh, like, look at women with skepticism, like, look at your neighbor with skepticism, unless he's your friends, be your like, and it's, it's kind of like that stuff. And then people like modern day pagans, like, will look at that as like, oh, I need to be libertarian and only care about myself. Like, that's great. They, but, they read it as if it's the word. What's funny is they're doing the same thing that then Christians do when they look at the Bible and say, this yes. happened yes. word for word, even though there's contradictions, I'll believe the ones I want to. Yeah, exactly. It's like in in the Christian Bible, it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to be nice to people when I can so I can get heaven points, but then I'm going to hate gay people. And yeah. so it's, it's, it's weird how like all religions evolve from this sense of like trying to find meaning and trying to find like trying to find an answer of like what you're supposed to be doing and how you're supposed to be living. And it, it just, it always comes back to like people misinterpreting things, I think, but like it goes with like every religion. 
and and the, the, the book, one of the books I'm reading right now that's really uh, impactful. It's um, based on the the maybe you know how to say it more correctly than I do. The Ring of the the Nibelgum, the Dark Elves. I know the Dark Elves are supposedly there, but like there's not much about them on the primary sources. Yeah, so it's right. It's interesting. So it's it's Wagner's 1800s, maybe I don't know. It's, it's an opera they wrote. It's based on all the Norse gods. So I'll be interested at some point probably to connect. How does it tie into any original sources? But they use Odin as a guy to learn from. It's not like Odin is correct and we should follow Odin. It's like Odin's a god who's really full of himself. And you know, can you see yourself sometimes where you're really full of yourself and you're being an Odin, right? And it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> right. And, and then it's that Odin is a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And it's the mistakes that Odin made, if the mistakes you're making, and then he learned from it this way, or that you see that it had caused those problems for him. Can you learn about it soon enough so you don't make his same mistakes? And then was that true? It's true that you shouldn't act like Odin all the time, right? Maybe that's, you know. <laughs> I, I'd say so because Odin in his, um, the Havamal, as I mentioned, he very much like says, a man who knows everything is not a happy man. Yeah. And it's funny because if you like read the other stories with Odin, his whole thing is like this absolute lust for knowledge. He wants to know everything. And it gets to the point where in one of the other stories that I love called Volopsa, where he wakes this seeress from the dead and he wakes her from the dead so he can ask her about things, about like the future and about the past. She's pissed off because she's being awoken from her eternal slumber. And he asked her like about like, what's the, what's the beginning of the universe? What's the end of the universe? And in doing so, he finds out about Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He finds out about how he's going to die. Right. And, and so all of his, it, all of his like the children, everybody I, he loves end up killing each other, basically. Right. Like everyone, everyone dies. They're both fighting an uh, impressive battle and everyone kills each other in the battle. Yeah, practically. Yeah. Well, yeah, the giants and the gods like go against each other and pretty much everybody that Odin cares about dies. And he, he, he mainly finds out that he's going to die. So like, he's this God who finds out because he like had this lust for knowledge he finds out how he's gonna die and that like fucked him up and so it's funny because he like said well i'm gonna be invaded by this army of giants so i'm gonna spend all of my time trying to get myself into mortal affairs and get them to fight each other so once once these best warriors die i can recruit them to my hall to fight at ragnarok and it's funny because one of the stories involves Eric Bloodaxe, who was actually a historical figure that was mentioned in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, Eric Bloodaxe is arriving to my hall. I got to make sure there's a feast for him. You know, it's good to go. And it's so funny because, like, Odin's ultimate goal was knowledge. And when he found out all the knowledge, he found out he was going to die and he wasn't able to enjoy his life. And so it's it's really interesting. And yeah. And then like, he's, he's, follow, he's living a life on this single-minded pursuit. And he's, it's kind of like the, I don't know, do we talk about mindfulness? But it's this idea of like, he's not being mindful and living in the present moment. Every moment he's unpresent because he's focused on that long-term future that he he's so sure is going to happen, right? And then it's like those ideas of fate and the spinsters of fate, that because they told him that story, that's what led him to actually lead to Ragnarok happening. If he had chilled out, it wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yes. And if you actually follow like the North story, like Neil Gaiman did a chronological version of like the Norse stories and he did it very well he he took some liberties Neil Gaiman the author but like it's it's very clearly like oh Loki was the cause of Ragnarok because all of the children of Loki 
Just, something like that today. Like, are they, they are the people that caused Ragnarok, right. but Loki would not have done these things if the gods didn't interfere in his life and the gods interfered in his life because they were trying to prevent Ragnarok. And uh-huh. so like that. it's yeah. that's where like with Norse mythology, the whole thing literally is fate. It goes back that that, I, that, that feels it, true to me. Yeah. So they go back, right. As you described that, I'm like, that, that sounds about right. Right. That's why, why would someone be a Loki? Right. Well, that'd be a good reason because everyone's trying to control you. <laughs> Loki is the, and you know, like how Homer Simpson is the cause of insulin or like mentioned that alcohol was the cause of insolution, all of life's problems. Yeah. Loki was the solution, but the cause of all life's problems in like the yeah. Norse world in, in Norse mythology. And keep in mind, every, like this whole story, this whole narrative was written down by Christians hundreds of years later, but it's, it's very interesting how like, this is what evolved from people, you know, in these tribes so long ago, trying to find meaning and trying to like cultivate a story of their beginning and their end. Yeah. So I was reading reading a piece today on Loki and it was, it was talking about just giving kind of a balanced picture of Loki, kind of like you're saying, but at at one point it's like, Oh, Loki does these terrible things. He's so terrible. He's always being really evil. He's being quite evil. Right. But it's also like, well, Loki's the trickster, right? Like Lo- the trickster is just going to be the trickster, right? When you when you trusted him, when you expected him to do something different, that, that was actually your fault. This goes to my stoic ideas that the only evil is your own choices, right? That when Odin expected him to not be Loki, that's actually the problem. Yeah, it all got worse. Yeah, and so like one of, and exactly. So one of like Loki's kids was this wolf named Fenrir, who you actually also saw in the MCU for yeah. uh, the Thor Ragnarok movie briefly. Yeah. Like, the Norse gods, when they found out about Ragnarok, they were so eager to try to like stop it. And they knew that Fenrir was going to be one of the causes of it, that they locked Fenrir up. They locked one him of the up. Things I was that the, it, had, it was the dark elves who had to fasten the only fastener that could actually hold him because they had the ability to like make a magic thing that would hold him. That sounds about right. If it's not the dark elves in Norse mythology, it's the dwarves who Tolkien they, took inspiration they, from. They are like interchangeable. The they're, they're in that same uh, realm. What, and whether you call them dwarves or dark elves, it's like like you said. No, that's right, yeah. Depends who wrote it down. But yeah. yeah, so it's so cool to think about because like when you take into account like Odin, who like, over, he like flew too close, close to the sun in trying to find out everything he could because yeah. he was so desperate and that's like just the Greek knowledge. myth of Icarus. Yeah, that's just the Greek myth of uh, Icarus flew too close to the sun. Yeah. yeah. And what's what's so funny about it is like, or like not funny, but like interesting is that like in Norse mythology, there's no God of this, God of that. Like, I don't think there's any sources that say Thor is the God of thunder. Um, you could tell that Loki is the, it's just like a trickster. He's an asshole. Like he does yeah. everything he wants for his own pleasure. And with Odin, like some people call him out of war. He probably would be considered that because he like orchestrates wars so he can recruit people for for uh, Ragnarok. But ultimately when I think of like what Odin is, first of all, if you look at the stories, he wants to know everything. Yeah. He has this like lust for war. He has this luck lust for banging women. He has this lust for kind of like also being a trickster to people. He like there's like one story where he there's like one story odin like trolls thor who's like just trying to get over a river and odin pretends to be this old dude like laughing at him like saying no i'm not gonna let you over like what why why should i let you over you're not near nobody and you you think about it odin is the god of being human he's the god of like being the the most extreme human possible and that's why was that he seeks power and that's like a very human thing to want power and be powerful and if you're a human and you know you're gonna die like you want to make the most out of your life and that's something that 
the guy I forgot shit I forgot the guy's name the guy who did Norse mythology for smart, smart people he says that like Odin is like the the personification of trying to like leave this world with like some blaze of glory make your mark and, yeah, yeah yeah and so like if you think back to like a group of people 1500 years ago that are trying to like find the beginning and find the end and, like what their life means if they have a god that says oh well you know just just go out in a blaze of glory like you just be your best self because the Norns have already decided your fate. So just do whatever the fuck you want and like make the most of it. What, at what point do you just be like, oh, well, I'm going to go fucking raiding and take what I want. And I'm not saying like the Vikings actually did that because of Odin. They did it because they were opportunists. But like, it's very interesting when you think about like well, why they did in the first place. Then it becomes right. Did the did the gods create them or shape them or did they create and shape their gods? Right. I feel like I've done most of the talking. I apologize. Was there anything no, no, no. else that you wanted to kind of like talk about? No, I think it's been pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say we should uh, we should wrap up. I think that's a good place. But I just like the last one that, that Odin's constantly searching for uh, for knowledge and 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 power, and that knowledge is power. And that's I'm going to leave that for for Jeff that corny line. I think he's going to like it. Well, yeah, I was going to say this. I, I doubt Jeff is going to listen to all this. I think Joey might weirdly. Yeah, as I was going to say, what else, what else should we bury here as the Easter egg for Jeff that he'll never uh, never know about? Yeah, like he'll he'll like next week he'll be like, guys, this is great. I love the I love the yeah. podcast. How much did you watch? Five minutes. On the toilet. Yeah, no, that's the thing I'll leave here at the end is that I, I know Jeff watched five minutes on the toilet. And that's... But yeah, this was fun. We should, um next time, uh, like, let's uh, come up with, like, an itinerary of what we want to talk about. Then I will research where I need to to make sure, like, I'm able to speak to it. Well, that's, yeah, and that's, I agree. This episode is, like, kind of what people can expect, except we'll, we had no expect particular point here. And we'll have, like, a theme each time, right? So as long as we keep, like, coming back to that theme of, uh, we said, like, maybe the creation, right? The the earth tree, the gods, how it all came to be, right? That's going to be our focus. And then we see where it goes. A lot of that was also in Bolaspa, um, where the seeress tells Odin about the beginning of the world. And you, it's cool. I, I, can, I can definitely discuss that. That's really cool. Awesome, man. Upload this. Later, Sean. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Have a good day. Peace.